0: We are now recording. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs>
2: Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 20 Podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend, Everett here. We talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett,
0: how are you? I'm doing super. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing great. I mean, I'm a little tired. I'm a little tired. I'm exhausted, actually. That's the right word. That's the word I was looking for. I feel like I've used that word before, but I'm exhausted. How how are you, Reasonably so. You went on a few short jogs
2: this weekend. Um, That's right. Yeah. How are you? Good. Tired. Had a great weekend. Uh, Took the kid up to Portland, left him with the, with the in-laws for the night. So he had an absolute blast because there's few things better than sleepovers with grandma and grandpa. And the wife and I went home and um, we just watched TV on the couch and didn't have to worry about how loud it was and didn't have to worry about getting woken up early in the morning. So how
0: amazing is that? How amazing is that to just sit on your couch and not do anything?
2: It's so good. It's so good.
0: It's one of the greatest things in the world. Yeah.
2: It was, yeah, it's hard to beat, so. Well, well, good. And so we're drinking some beer. We We got got some some whiskey. Some bush lights, some
0: whiskey in the uh, wild turkey variety. This is 101, right? Uh, It is 101. It's 101. And it's 101 that you've poured into me and my wife's matching uh hubby and wifey cups which i thought was an interesting decision considering there's about 75 coffee cups in and there. i had
2: to dig to the back of the cupboard to get these <laughs> <laughs>
0: i applaud you for it yeah i thought
2: it was appropriate we spent a lot of intimate time together so you why not you did give me the wifey cup to start with
0: and i said that that wasn't acceptable yeah well it was the fuller one so well, so we have coffee, we have whiskey, no, excuse me, we have whiskey in coffee cups, we have beer, but we also have something else that's kind of fun. Something even better. Something even better. We have a guest. Woohoo! So, without further ado, because I'm hoping he's still on the line, there's actually a very good chance he's hung up at this point. I wouldn't blame him. So, <laughs> I'm hoping Darren of DM Tiffany Timepieces is still there. Darren, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. And he stayed. And he stayed. Fantastic. I'm having a severe taste of deja vu right now. And, yeah, you know, before, the,
0: it happens to us oftentimes in
1: this industry.
0: <laughs> uh, that that sense of de- deja vu. Uh, perhaps there'll be some people listening who who have, who know immediately what we're talking about. Yeah. And for those of you who don't, you'll probably hear about it later. So so Darren introduced you, but I I am sure at this point some of our listeners are saying, "Who is Darren? What is DM Tiffany Timepieces, and why?" are you on my podcast right now that I'm listening to? So uh, by way of a little bit more extensive invitation uh, I- introduction, and then I'll turn it over to you, uh, I'm going to say I first learned of you by way of the Instagram about a week ago, maybe not even quite a week ago. You followed us. I think Scottish Watches, the very those very nice guys at Scottish Watches, shouted us out on the Instagram, I think basically just to say, Hi, 40 and 20, we, you know, we're, we're podcast buddies and you guys should check them out. You followed us that morning. I fo- I, I clicked on your page because I always click on these people's pages. You know, we get follows. I don't know what, 25 a day or so at this point. 24 uh, of them are Russian sex bots. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Inevitably, <laughs> uh, you know, these things I, I always kind of check because you get a lot of sort of kind of some odd stuff. Folks that we are not really interested in. Some, well, I clicked on yours and I was like, holy shit. What is this? And I think what I did was I immediately messaged you and said, "Oh my gosh, what are you doing? I need you to tell me everything. Please come on the show." He was texting me at the same time about it too, and I got on. I was like, "Yes, yes, yes." What what, what was your reaction? You get that message from me. I mean, were you did you freak out a little bit like I've got to shut down my Instagram and 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 uh call my credit card companies? Yeah, there's definitely a predator on the loose. <laughs>
1: No, I, I I read the message and I was like, "This is it. This is the big time, big League. I made it." <laughs> all right, I'm uh, now. all right,
0: <laughs> all right. That's well played, Darren. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're a machinist, is what you are. You're a machinist who's making watches in your. I, I assume in your
1: home. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, down in my garage, I have a a little machine shop. Set up down there, some uh, equipment, milling machine, lathes, uh, some equipment that I've built myself, which is kind of cool. I just finished something on uh, Friday.
2: Some equipment you've built yourself? No,
1: no, wait. I, I want to get to that I,
2: later. I have a lot of questions.
0: No, we'll I'll... get to it. We'll get okay. to it. It's on the list. <laughs> Tell us more about what got you started here.
1: Yeah, so it was back in March of 2018. Uh, so I've been collecting watches for a number of years and uh, getting into modifying some watches uh restored a couple vintage timepieces uh and i was thinking you know i could do this right if if people in switzerland in the late 1800s could do this stuff i could do this uh and so i went out and bought myself a little benchtop milling machine brought it back home to the garage and set it up and had no idea how to use it so i watched uh, a couple hundred hours of youtube tutorials to figure out how to machine and uh Went out in the garage and made some chips and made some mistakes and made a lot of scrap metal. But uh, so was this thing was like in it. the
0: impulse aisle at Best Buy or something? What I mean, how you how you say you bought them? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean?
1: Yes, yeah, so it's a company that uh, they have a a website online, littlemachineshop.com dot com. They sell uh, benchtop milling machines, and benchtop lathes, and some other uh, machining equipment. And I just said, what's what's the lowest cost of entry uh, into getting into Machining. What, what do I need? What are the bare essentials that I need to make a watch case? And so I uh, placed the order online. Drove up to Pasadena. I was living in Southern California at the time, so I drove up to Pasadena to their warehouse and brought it back home.
2: And so you immediately went to watch cases. You didn't start with like I'm going to take this bigger piece of metal and turn into a slightly smaller piece of metal and create like a shape on it. You went right to the big league.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I bought the machine. To make watch cases
2: so all right i mean <laughs> there's no
1: time like the present and i went i
2: went in how many garbage cans got filled with scrap metal if you don't mind my asking <laughs>
1: uh there, there was a bucket or two
2: you selling it to like people who are forging good. things uh like just pushing it on down the line or because that could be a, that, would, that would be the next hobby i see is setting up a <laughs> forge in the backyard you've got your mill and your lathe in the garage and now you've got a forge <laughs> in the backyard and you're just you know using it in both ends of the uh of the usable spectrum.
1: I actually have a buddy who who is looking to get into forging and I'm trying to convince him to to start so he can make me some billets of Damascus and other cool stuff like that.
0: Oh, that would be so cool. You you know, are there, are are there, I I mean, just, just sort of, uh, off the top of your head, are there difficulties in machining Damascus, for instance, for, to purpose for a, a watch case? Uh,
1: it would really just come down to corrosion resistance. So it depends on which alloys you're using. I know there's there's a couple of people out there doing some stainless Damascus and I think that's slightly harder to make. Uh, but regular Damascus steel billets are as long as they're not hardened, it wouldn't be too difficult.
0: All right. So I'm intrigued. So you go you get this machine, you watch a bunch of mm-hmm. YouTube videos, and then and then what? And then what do you do? You just start turning wheels and, and, and what? What happens?
1: Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I, uh, I came up with the design in my head, did a, did a couple sketches uh, out on paper and some measurements of what I think I could do, and uh, went out into the shop and chopped up some stainless steel. So I was using, uh, on that first watch, I was using 304 stainless, which is uh, a very hard metal. Right. I had it wore carbons really quickly. <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was kind of a headache especially in the first project that I had on the milling machine, but uh, <laughs> I persevered through it. Uh, and
0: now, now, 316 yeah, is quite a bit easier to tool than 304, right?
1: Uh, it's still difficult, still really hard, uh, but it is a little easier to machine. Okay. It has different characteristics, too, with corrosion resistance and stuff like that.
0: And, and so, I guess before before we really roll into the rest of the show, because we may actually have to stop early, but what, what were the dimensions that you drew out, you know, in particular case diameter for this first, you know, pen and paper watch you designed?
1: Yeah, so it was 38 millimeters in case diameter. Um, so, I'm a big fan of integrated bracelets, uh, like 70s sports watches like the Royal Oak and uh, the Nautilus and... Even the the new Cuba North flag, so I really like that case shape. A little more robust, a little more sporty, and so I uh, I made an integrated strap for that one. So the actual strap opening is only ten millimeters, but the actual width uh, of the lugs is I think I marked one. It was like twenty four millimeters.
0: So if we if if you're listening and you're wondering who the heck Darren is, what DM Tiffany is uh how do i find this i just let you know uh d uh oh yeah at d m tiffany timepieces on the instagram you can go to his page pull up the pictures if you want to follow along please pull your car over andrew is a budding police officer he'll be behind you i won't do anything as long as you're pulling up his instagram page i will do nothing yeah you'll be okay you'll be okay um (laughs) So, but pull over so so you can see these pictures because you you know the story the this the Instagram without being explicit about it is telling the story of this uh, development start at the beginning and you can work your way forward pretty cool to see some of this stuff so you you had mentioned you you had mentioned the Tudor North flag just a second ago um, and that was my immediate reaction when I took a look at your Mark One and even as the Mark II develops here um, that was my immediate sort of uh reference point i thought that looks like an awful lot like a tudor north flag is that an inspiration for you as you're designing this
1: oh yeah absolutely i I think tudor pulled some inspiration from some of the 70s era sports Mm -hmm. watches but definitely a huge inspiration i I love that watch
2: that was right where my my mind went to i pulled up a couple i pulled up a 70s t so i was like this is this is like it it could be from the same era this is so cool and this is i think kind of where where watch design i hope is trending towards is a little bit smaller and that really 70s inspired design uh design themes and i'm digging that you get that
0: you're you're cashing in on that on that opportunity that exists right now you, you know I, I think that um integrated lugs sometimes get integrated lugs in and of itself that phrase is a pejorative sometimes um but but we've talked recently on the show about how it integrated rubber straps, a rubber strap that's integrated, you know, smartly into a case design. I think that that hit that shared the number one spot. Your number one spot. That <laughs> was the it was the definitive ranking, So it can't be just mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you know that hit the number one spot on our on our straps and bands episode. Um, what. W- what is it that kind of pushed you there? Because it doesn't seem to me like that would be the easiest way to go about what you're doing.
1: Right. Yeah, it's definitely not the easiest way. So it involves a couple more steps to get something that fits. Um, but what I really like about it is how purposeful it is. So I know that a lot of people love to swap straps out and really change the feel and look of a watch. Uh, but I'm a huge fan of when the designer takes charge of the entire package. And so I'm sure you might not be able to swap out your drawer full of straps onto it, but it's very purposeful. It was really thought out on how the case flows into that bracelet and how it falls on your wrist and how it wears.
2: And displays the watch. And I, I appreciate that sentiment that you're, you're being so deliberate in all the design decisions you're making right down to what you're putting the watch on. Because there's, there's a lot of instances where what, uh, what shoes the watch is wearing is an afterthought.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, and so, um, kind of got some inspiration. Kind of got some case. Hopefully, these folks are, are sort of looking through now. Um, so, so you start designing. When, when did you finish up the Mark One case?
1: So I finished Mark One in in its entirety, uh, completely assembled and, and uh, ready. It was probably the second week of December.
0: December so it was, of it was
1: a uh, two thousand eighteen.
0: Okay. So that's what,
2: like nine months from purchase of your of your machine equipment?
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah, and that was just working on weekends and evenings, and I travel a lot for work, so uh, really probably just an hour or two hours a week.
0: So, okay, so that's pretty quick uh, work. That I
1: was working diligently. Yeah, it, it came together pretty quickly, when I was kind of in the swing of things, and once I figured out how to use the equipment.
0: And now this was a project for your dad, right? Uh,
1: it turned into that. So it started out as just, a watch that i was going to make myself and i was going to keep it myself because i didn't know how it would turn out but as i saw things coming together and, and when i created the dial and i put the blue candy on that dial i was like this needed to go to my dad my dad really he's the one who got me into watches um he gifted me a really awesome watch when i graduated from university that uh, that means a lot to me and uh, so i just wanted to kind of return the favor of uh, sharing the passion and the love for watches and I gave it to him for Christmas, uh, 2018 last year.
0: And he loved it, I assume.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was a complete surprise too. So, uh, my parents are really supportive of, uh, all the work that I'm doing and they're really excited to, to see the progress. And when I told them that I was creating a Instagram account to document, uh, the progress I'm making on, on the watch and everything I'm doing in the future, uh, they both created Instagram accounts so that they could follow along. <laughs> I think, uh, I'm the only person that they're following, but uh, every time I see them, they <laughs> mention they, they read the comments that people leave and, and everything. So they're awesome.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. That's uh, you know, yeah. I think uh, you know, people want support from their parents, but it's pretty cool that they just jumped in there, right?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, so tell they're really cool about
0: it. Tell us about the dial because I'm looking at the dial on this thing, and this is not a uh, this is not a run of the mill dial. I, I, you know, I I tend to think, gosh, if I'm going to make a watch. I'm going to do a painted dial or, but you, you've gone in a different direction with this thing.
1: Yeah, I have. And, uh, that dial, uh, I love that dial. And it, it was, it was a, a labor of love to make that dial. And so I guess I should uh, preface this with everything that I do is all manual machining. So I don't have any CNC equipment. Uh, everything I do is turning dials on the milling machine and lathes, and, um, work holding and fixturing and setup. Um, and everything is manual so, so the dial so no oh,
2: software support in this it's all all your eyeball your measurements design. your design wow that's yep. wow
1: wow Yep, yeah so it's all a, a whole lot of math a lot of trigonometry uh, figuring out angles as I'm kind of tapering the uh, the lugs on the watch case and uh, figuring out where to put screws in my fixtures and using uh, so I have a digital readout so I can Uh, accurately trace my X, Y, and Z movement uh, to 10,000ths of an inch. Uh, So I have a a digital readout that shows me my location, and I can use that to find my coordinates and and move from there really precisely. Uh, But it's all by hand and in my head and written down on my whiteboard. I have a a ton of (laughs) math problems written on there and uh, (laughs) trigonometry figuring out angles. Uh, It looks like
0: uh, Russell Crowe's office in A Beautiful Mind. Just, exactly. just magazine yeah, pictures exactly. of watches all over the place and <laughs> the 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 wax marker on the window yeah
2: feel free to we, we have a Dropbox right outside our house if you do feel like dropping anything off that we, we'd be happy to pass on to to anyone for you um <laughs> talk to me a little bit more about the design decision behind the dial because this is one of the coolest yeah. dials i've ever seen
1: oh thanks man thanks uh so if you guys are familiar with geoshay so it's engine turning that's done on a rose engine lathe and i didn't have one at the time and so i needed to figure out how i could replicate that kind of with geometric pattern work and that diamond release pattern uh on my manual benchtop milling machine and so the way that i set it up is i had a cutter it's called a boring head and so it moves your cutter eccentrically so I had a 90 degree engraving bit that was offset by 13 millimeters. And then I had the dial set up on my rotary table eccentrically. So I would make one 13 millimeter cut and then I would rotate my rotary table, uh, by three and a half degrees. So there's 60 circles that are cut that overlap each other and create that diamond release pattern. It probably took me with setup and everything, uh, probably like seven, Six and a half, seven hours to get that set up and get this, the final product.
0: That is an insane amount of dedication.
2: It's totally worth it because we've probably yeah. watched this video of you showing the how the lights bouncing off this dial. <laughs> I've I mean just today. I mean, even since you've been talking, I've watched it a dozen times. Um, it, you'll get you'll get an extra hundred views tonight just, just from me. So well, let's hope Maybe. so. No, well, you will. I'm gonna yeah. keep
0: watching this. It's on a loop. It's, <laughs> uh, it is it is so cool. Uh, uh and so so you do this mark one, you do it on your benchtop mill, but this is as good a time as well may, well maybe maybe we stop there so because you're not still in California, right? No, I'm not. So what
2: happened? Did California California you and you, in, you invited yourself to leave?
1: Yeah, kind of. Nice. So I, I moved to California in 2016 for work and I've been with the same company since 2010. And, okay, wh- and what was work?
0: That. And what and what, what what was work? What what we, you don't have to say where you worked, but what what were you doing before this?
1: Uh, I was in corporate finance. Uh,
0: yeah, that checks pretty significant che-
2: difference <laughs> from from uh, <laughs> working a, a milling machine. I'm I'm following you though. <laughs> okay. I'm following you. Yeah. Keep going.
1: <laughs> well, I, I still work for the same company, so I, I still have a full time job. So everything I do is still evenings and weekends.
2: That's the best way to do it. Yeah. Projects of passion.
1: Yeah. So you got to to
2: relocate out. out to somewhere else. Where are you at now?
1: Yeah, so I actually had the so I, I work remotely now, and so I, I had the opportunity to live wherever and continue working. And so I really wanted to kind of take my hobby to the next level and potentially turn into a business and um, that's kind of in the near future here. Uh, so I decided to go all in and I needed to get some capital and I needed more.
0: So you literally so sold you literally sold all of your worldly possessions and, and moved to the desert. Yeah. That's so what I'm talking about. Yeah.
1: So I lived in Arizona before, so it was an easy transition back. So I sold my house in California, free up some capital, bought a less expensive, much nicer house in Arizona. I got a three-car garage now. And so I have uh, one bay in the three-car garage that's entirely set up as my machine shop. So that's where the magic happens nowadays.
0: <laughs> you know, in Cribs, where the magic happened was always the bedroom, but when you're talking to... Oh, not my house. <laughs> I, I was hoping you were going
2: to say that three-car garage was entirely allocated to your your workshop, uh, but I imagine it's going to grow. So, yeah, may- uh, maybe soon. Already, Yeah, right? if I
1: didn't have a uh, a strong addiction to cars like I do to watch this, then maybe that would be the case, but... Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, very cool,
0: man. So, so you sold all your worldly possessions. You moved to Arizona, and and you don't still just have a bench top mill.
1: No. You so you first when I moved,
0: first well, you you purchased some equipment. Let's let's for now stick to the equipment you've purchased.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I bought my new house in Phoenix, uh, one of the first things I did was order a lathe because, like I mentioned, I've been working on a, a milling machine, making round parts on a milling machine it was not the easiest or the most precise way to make round parts so i figured i just gotta go all, all in and i gotta get a lathe and so i was looking at some benchtop lathes that would match my benchtop milling machine and i said uh they, they just don't have enough weight I, I need something heavier that can make uh, better cuts in stainless and easier threading operations and uh so i i ordered a, a, a lathe from a company called grizzly uh shipped it from the pacific northwest and so uh, i i purchased it the next week uh ups freight pulled up in front of my house and gave me a 1,200 pound package that I had to figure out how to get into the shop and set up on its stand.
2: They didn't uh, pallet jack it into your garage for you? They just left it at the curb?
1: Uh, no, they, they pallet jacked oh. it up in, into the driveway and then I uh, had to use my engine hoist <laughs> <train> <laughs> to pick it up <laughs> and move it into the into the garage and onto the stand.
0: And, and did somebody help you? Or I'm picturing you in, in your garage or in your driveway just swearing and... <laughs>
1: You, you must have been there. Okay. Exactly what
0: happened. That sounds, <laughs> so That's how I got a gun safe into the house. Just me. <laughs> well, well, fantastic. So so that you, you purchased a, a lathe, and, and now you've got a lathe and you're able to turn stuff. But you also got a mill recently too, right?
1: I did, yeah. So I was working on another project uh, that is watch-related, but it wasn't uh, a watch case. And I met the limitations in my benchtop milling machine. I was trying to, to bore a uh, one-and-a-quarter-inch hole through a one-inch piece of steel, and it just wasn't happy. It was, uh, it was about to give up the ghost, And so I uh, pulled the Band-Aid off and ordered a, uh, a Bridgeport-style knee-milling machine. And uh, again, the freight company pulls up, and uh, they pallet jack a uh, close to 2,000-pound package into my garage, and then I got to pull it off the crate and off the pallet and set it up in the garage. But uh, very glad that I did that. It, it has made my life a whole lot easier.
0: And so now you've got, uh, uh, you know, a uh, uh, probably a professional grade uh, mill and, and you've got, uh, uh, it sounds like a a, uh, a small shop professional grade lathe, but you still didn't have everything you needed.
1: Yeah, you're right. So I love the dial design that I did on that milling machine and it replicated Dioche as well as I could at the time, but the limitations were there. I couldn't do any other patterns or anything more intricate and so um, i started looking around online to find a, a rose engine for sale and uh for those who aren't familiar a, a rose engine is basically a, a hand-operated lathe so it's all manual there's no electronics on it whatsoever uh, that has a spindle that's on some pivots and so it kind of copies some discs that are on the spindle and so you can replicate some really intricate patterns uh, as you're engraving into a, a watch dial and so most of the machines that are out there are from the late 1800s, early 1900s. And they are pretty penny. So they go for a, a clean one in good condition it is upwards of $30,000, $35,000 for a, a hand-operated machine. And so that was too rich for my blood. Yeah, uh, too rich for my blood. There's a really awesome guy uh, out in the East Coast who makes new ones. Uh, they're really expensive as well. Uh, and I decided to just man up and make my own <laughs> i mean you've got so, a uh, mill
2: and a lathe you, you kind of have everything you need for the most part right to to be able to machine yeah, something like that exactly. so why not you've already yep, taken on exactly. this whole project and and youtubed your way through it and trial and error your way through it so <laughs> why not let's just build more stuff
1: <laughs> exactly yeah exactly you gotta, you gotta make what you need and so uh i spent the last couple of months of this year uh, working on that rose engine lathe uh, and i just finished it on friday night this past friday night so i've been uh turning some guilloche on some brass and some german silver and nickel silver and uh spamming my instagram account with it i'm sure people are getting sick of it by now but i'm just
0: it, you know we're not to- I, I don't believe that for a second a- actually you, you, you know <laughs> your, your instagram account's pretty conservative. Uh, uh, in, in terms of you spamming, you need to be posting, I think, probably about 10 times as as much stuff from just so I can see it. So that's like... I, well, I, I'd love to get to that point. It, you, you know, uh, w- watching this thing, w- watching this thing operate is insane. When when I sort of checked out, I checked out for a couple of days this week. And when I checked out, none of this stuff was there. And then I came back and there's all this <laughs> awesome content. So so tell us... So, I mean, describe the Rose machine a little bit more and and then tell us what it does. How does this make your life easier?
1: Uh, Well, I would say it makes my life any easier, uh, but I can do (laughs) cooler stuff. (laughs) That's just as good. Yeah, yeah. So the Rose engine produces uh, a a process called Vioche. And so Vioche has been used in watchmaking since the 1700s. Uh, I think Breguet um, had his own Vioche in-house that would do the Yoshe work for him Uh, and so basically what it is is you're copying some pattern discs that are on the lathe and the lathe is on some pivot points on the spindle and so as you turn the wheel your entire spindle turns and the patterns run along what's called a, a rubber or follower and so it kind of follows the pattern on the outside of that disc and it induces a oscillation in your spindle and so you have a cutter that's fixed in place and it's operated by hand. So it's on a slide. So I have mine on some linear bearing. Uh, so you push the cutter in to the work to actually engrave or cut the pattern. So you cut one ring around the outside. So I start from the left and work my way towards the center. So you cut your first path around the outside and then you advance what's called the cross slide. So your cutter is mounted on a cross slide. that moves. We're, we're totally following wire, you.
0: We're following you on We're watching it happen actually technical. as you're as
2: you're explaining it and it kind of makes sense. As you're listening to this, y'all, watch the video of it occurring and it's I'm tracking actually as, as surprising as that sounds for yeah, you, those of you who know me. It's a lot well.
1: easier. Yeah, it's it's really a simple machine when you look at it, but when somebody asks you to describe how it works, especially over the phone, it, it gets really difficult and the technical jargon kind of drowns out the process. But
0: I've actually got one specific question about the machine, and, yeah. and then, you know, I suppose we'll probably have to move on. But it, it, there's these four well, there's five pieces of machined stock that are sort of close to the wheel. And the first one looks like it's uh, some sort of indexing machine. But then we have these um, increasingly wide. Uh, you know, each ring has an increasingly wide segment to it. Um, that looks, you know, I, I don't know. I'll just I'll just let you tell me what what's happening there with those increasingly wide segments. What what are they doing? How do they sort of operate? How how do they interface with the rest of the machine? What what's happening here?
1: Yeah. So those are what's called rosettes, and so the rosettes are your patterned disc, and so mine are just really basic um, uh, waves, and so each ring has a different number of waves and i created those all on a manual milling machine and so i have one that has 120 different uh sine waves on a bump around the outside of it and then one that has 60 one that has 72 and then one that has 36 oh. and so those are on a uh a spindle carriage and so they can unscrew or come off and i can swap them out if i get different pattern discs or want to do any different patterns or anything with a different number of waves and so those are what is creating the pattern that's being engraved onto the dial. And so I have a bearing that's set on a uh, this tower that I built that's off of the left-hand side. And so as the spindle turns, the bearing is fixed and those rosettes will ride along in the bearing. So every time there's a peak in the wave on the outside of the rosette, the, bear- the uh, spindle will move to the right a little bit further. Hopefully I'm <laughs> explaining this well enough to make sense.
0: It I, makes sense I, to me. I I follow. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it's going to it's one of those things right that it's going to be d- tough to to convey um uh, you've got quite a bit of cool stuff on your on your Instagram for people to look at and if, if they're, you know, mechanically inclined or visual learners, they they might have a better idea. But yeah, you, you're right. It's it's a little tricky, you know, it's probably one of those things you have to see in person.
1: Yeah.
2: So we've got the Mark 1 complete, gifted to dad. You're on to the Mark 2 now, yeah.
1: I am. Yeah, so I've been working on Mark II for a couple of months now. Uh, and I have a couple of goals that I set for Mark II that I want to achieve. And so I wanted to keep the same 38 millimeter case diameter, but I wanted to make it significantly thinner. So Mark I was fairly thick. I think it was close to 13 millimeters thick. Uh, and I, I changed movement. So Mark One has an ETA 2824. Mark II has an ETA 2892. And it's a significantly thinner movement. So, the prototype that I have uh, of Mark II is 8.33 millimeters thick. Whoa. So, it's super thin for an automatic watch, especially sports style. Uh, I also wanted to make it as water resistant as I could. So, the case body, the inside of the case body where the movement and the dial and everything sits is threaded all the way through the case. And so, the bezel actually screws into the case and oh. so does the case back. And so they have grooves that are cut into them that house silicone O rings.
0: Uh-huh. So it's
1: gasketed front and back, screw down crown. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably build my own pressure chamber to test its water resistance. Because why not? Uh, exactly. Right? Why not? I'm this deep already. I gotta, I gotta keep going. So <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, Mark II, and so as I'm building Mark II, it'll probably change names, but I'm building it out. And for every process that I'm doing on it, and the reason why it's going so slowly is I'm building fixtures to make the process repeatable. Okay. So as I make a bezel, I'm also making a, uh, basically a aluminum hub that the bezel will screw into and I can do machining operations on the outside of it. Same thing with the case back and same thing with the case. So I'll be able to make each process repeatable. Right. And so the plan is to do a limited production run by the end of this year. So I don't have much time left in the year. Uh, so I gotta get back out in the garage. Uh, do you but, mean the end
2: of 2019 yeah,
1: when you say the end of this year? Yeah, the end of 2019. So by December 31st, I want to have some pieces available for sale.
2: Okay, so we've got a short term. What is what is your your long term for that? So if you're if you're trying to have. Uh, a limited run of pieces available for this year, what are you looking at for next year and, and say the next five years?
1: Yeah. So this year I want to have between 15 and 20 watches available for, for the market and, and for people to buy. Um, I'm planning on using the capital from selling those watches to reinvest in kind of building the company from the ground up. So I love using the ETA movement, but I mean there's limited supply and everything I'm buying is kind of at retail just because I'm buying such a low quantity. Sure. Uh, so there are some many movement manufacturers that I want to work with that kind of elevate the entire experience. And so there's, there's a company called Voucher uh, who is owned by Hermes and they make movement for um, Richard Mill and Parmigiani uh, and a number of other fantastic watchmakers, uh, and they actually sell limited quantities to independent watchmakers, so it's kind of uh, a match made in heaven. So, they have minimum order quantities, and they need to build capital in order to meet those minimum quantities. So,
0: right. that's kind
1: of what this first production run is is really funding.
0: So, so the Mark One going to use the ETA movement, and then the idea is that come Mark 2 you'll be able to level up in terms of uh, sort of a, 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 a small boutique-style Makers movement, then.
1: Yeah, so Mark II. Right, will excuse have me, excuse me. Ninety
0: two. Mark two, Mark yep. three. Yep, I, I just got my Mark yeah. wrong.
2: And your your goal is yep. to go wholly in house. I mean, short of the movement, because I mean, I suppose just knowing what the little bit that I know about you uh, making movements doesn't seem too far out of the realm of possibility. But for now, you're you're going to push a final product to consumers starting with raw materials and only outsourcing movement uh, and, and hands, really, and crystals yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, so Mark two will have an edit movement, and then I'm sourcing hands and applied indices uh, and the screw-down crown because I, I don't have the ability to make that in-house yet. Um, but everything else is handmade, and so that's kind of the goal is I want to make as much as I can in-house, which will probably be hands and indices in the near future. Um, as well, and I don't I know if you even that, need uh, that
2: with that dial. I'd be totally cool without indices. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, <that's...
0: laughs> so so um, then just maybe to sort of because I think you know everybody's asking the question right at home. If if I were going to try to buy one of your Mark II um, production run, what, how much mm-hmm. money am I going to need to talk my wife out of uh, freeing up for me? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So I, I acknowledge that I'm a nobody in the watchmaking world uh, yet. Right? So are we. Uh, and so so this first run is really just kind of building my brand and getting my name out there and giving myself the opportunity to, to network with people. Uh, and so I'm planning on pricing it for around $4,000, probably like $39.95, which is a lot of money when you're talking about the affordability of watches. Uh, but in my opinion, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, uh, I, I think there's a lot of value in a handmade piece. And it's really a unique piece because each one will have different patterning on the dials and different colorways and uh, different finishing on the case. Uh, so I'm building everything how I want to as many times as I can and if people want to buy them, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, around four grand for this first production run and then whatever the future holds, we'll all make some decisions on that.
0: Yeah no I mean you're you're obviously not doing the same thing that uh Seiko or uh you, you know Citizen or or Timex is doing you're doing something different right uh so so there's there's just a different consideration this is totally handmade totally made by a, a dude who's figured this out and is making a craft uh, a loving piece of of jewelry in his house um and, and probably soon in a factory right hopefully Um, and whose
2: fingerprints on this first run your fingerprints are going to be on this so i mean that's awesome it doesn't sound crazy to me at all that seems right in the realm of possibility like right right in the realm of of where i was kind of expecting to hear you hear you say
1: yeah yeah and so you mentioned in a factory but i think that kind of goes away from from the passion that i have for it so as long as i possibly can i want to continue to make things by hand and in-house myself and i guess and so, when i say
0: a factory i just mean a machine shop uh that's that's maybe in a in a place yeah. where your wife doesn't have to listen to you banging all day
1: <laughs> she's, she's awesome about it she's really supportive so she's, video headphones she's and, taking
0: some of yeah. these pictures right
1: she has yeah i got her a, a camera for her birthday last month and so she's been taking some awesome pictures for me
0: what would what, you make her or would you buy her would you make her you made the camera right
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah i made it from scratch no it's uh i think i got a nikon D 3500
0: fantastic sounds right yep i love that camera that's such a cool camera well well uh okay so awesome so we've got we've got pending production run we've got and and that's happening now ish uh we've got long-term plans um what else? What else should we we know about what DM Tiffany is, the brand? Where you're going uh, in, in the immediate future?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I, the reason that I put my name on the brand is because it, it's kind of a uh, insurance policy that I will be providing the very best product that I can produce and supporting that product through its lifespan. So that's the reason I've attached my name. it directly instead of going with an arbitrary brand name. And so it's a lot of work that goes into each watch. Uh, I'm really excited to get some pieces out into the market. I I have some people that have expressed interest with me, but I guess we'll see uh, if their pocketbooks speak the same language uh, when they're available to buy. Uh, But what I really want to do is get out into the community. So Arizona has an awesome group of guys that get together every month, but there's really only 10 15 of us to get together. Uh, it's nothing like some of these other metropolitan areas. So I really want to get out there and, and network with some people and attend some events and some Red Bar and Chrono Group events uh, out in different cities and kind of bring some watches with me to share with the people in those different markets and kind of just get out there. So I encourage anybody if you check out my Instagram, if you're in a different market, if you know of some cool event coming up in the next four to five months, just to, to reach out to me and love to uh to go out there and attend some events and network with some people and meet some people i really want to get out into the community a little bit more
2: that's the way to do it i mean that's i think i mean i it's exciting to me to talk to a watch maker who is so willing to stand by their product and i mean you're you're more than welcome to come over to our studio guest bedroom office area and (laughs) and hang out and drink beers (laughs) with us Uh, um, (laughs) but that that's that's super cool i uh highly encourage any of you just echo it uh Get him out here. If he's willing to come, come just, just to see his watches. I want to see one of these in person. Yeah, me too. I just want to see that dial in person. If you just send a dial, that's that would that'd keep me occupied for days. I'd be like a toddler with it. Get it all drooling. Well, and I'm actually,
1: I, I'm planning on setting two pieces aside that will be quote unquote press pieces that I can send to people to review or to check out or talk about on their podcast. So I, I'd be thrilled to send one.
0: Now uh, we're talking. Yeah, we but... would love to host it. <laughs> now we're talking.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is why we're in the business, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: so you you talked to us a little bit about uh, about a, a special gift watch, and one of the things that we'd like to hear about is is what kind of what are you rocking on the wrist? What kind of what, what's your watch collection look like? Some some favorites, some some general themes in it. Some you know, drop some names if you will.
1: Yeah, so uh, I have that Rolex Air King Fifty Five Hundred that my dad gave me. that that brand new in the box uh, from the late '80s up until 2012. That's so, so cool. Uh, he didn't. He didn't wear it. No, no, Gosh. it's that brand new in the box. Your dad it loves you so much more than it came out of the box. Kids. <laughs> 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 so that's that's definitely my favorite, most sentimental piece. Um, right now, I'm wearing my Monta Skyquest. guilt. wait oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so so uh the guys oh, at monte chili. are awesome so i uh i met them up in san francisco i actually missed the um wind up watch fair by a day i was going up there for business and i missed it by a day and i reached out to them and like hey i was planning on meeting you guys but i'm not going to make it and they're like hey we'll be in the airport at this time if you want to meet up hit me up and i was like yeah for sure and <laughs> so i met up with them they showed me some pieces uh that they had just unveiled they just unveiled the SkyQuest, and I, I got to check it out and handle it and i uh placed in order a pre-order for one that night um and those guys are just that good cool huh? i love hearing their stories yeah it's a fantastic watch I, I beat the hell out of it and it keeps going So really
0: we need to get our hands on one of those yeah, shout out to monto yeah yeah that you know we've talked about their watches a number of times on the show they uh you, you know a little bit pricier than our normal timepieces uh, that we talk about. But they're they're just such a cool company. What they've done and where they came into the market and how they sort of transitioned into um, the brand we know today is just such a neat story. Um, and they're making the best, I think, at that price range, the best watches you can buy.
1: Oh, yeah. Far none. Yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, and then I also have a Ball Engineer 3 Kings with a ton of tritium. Tubes I, in it, which uh, I love that watch too.
0: I spied that in one of your posts.
1: <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep, yeah, I love that thing. Uh, what else do I have? I have um, a vintage chronograph. It's a rose gold. It's from a company called Titus, who's not around anymore. Oh yeah, uh, very cool watches 40s. though. Forties. Yep, yeah. So I have that. I never wear it, so I'll probably <laughs> get rid of it soon. Uh, <laughs> I have a Universal Genese uh, Pole Rudier Jet, which I don't wear very often. Uh, Smaller dress watches don't really have the occasion to wear it. Uh, what else? I have a, a Seiko that my dad gave me. It's a Seiko Kinetic titanium bracelet, titanium case. Uh, but the coolest thing about it, it has uh, the day in Arabic. Oh, so I, I was actually born and raised in Saudi Arabia. That's and a whole so, other
2: interesting story that I'm now cu- very curious about, but we can keep going through watches. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so I have that. Uh, I have a uh, Devil Diver from Caraval, which is basically a Volvo, but what's really cool about it Mm -hmm. is on the bottom of the dial, uh, it says West Germany.
2: Oh, so it's one of the OGs. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I I restored that one, uh, brought it back from its early grave. Uh, So that one's pretty cool. Uh, And that's pretty much it. That's
2: a good lineup. So when you say you restored that Devil Diver, what what does that restoration process look like? I mean, how much of it was done in your machine shop against how much of it was just done through uh, some TLC? Uh,
1: Yeah, so I didn't do any machining on the case. Uh, I just block sanded and polished the bevels back into it to really sharpen out the um, bevels and redid the graining on the front of the case and swapped the bracelet out and uh, cleaned up the crystal, replaced the gasket on the Uh, bezel kind of brought it back to life the movement was in great shape it keeps great time so luckily i didn't have to really crack into the the movement or send it off to get sick. that's lucky yeah
2: that's
0: awesome now now how about the watchmaking aspect of this because i know that that's sort of uh it's something we haven't talked about at all today is is that something that you're uh looking into learning more about or
1: yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I've done some regulation and some basic movement maintenance, but definitely not my forte. Uh, so, I would love to, at some point in the future, get more into it and learn a little bit more. Um, but right now, it's, it's really the assembly regulating. Uh, and then when I do that production run, I'll probably uh, bring in a third party watchmaker to just go over everything with a fine tooth comb and ensure that we're putting out the very best that we can
0: alright so uh, I think I'll ask you just one more question and then we'll we'll probably transition into other stuff but, um, but and maybe this question is kind of other stuff but you, who is your favorite watch excuse me machining youtuber
1: go my favorite machining youtuber yes uh, this old Tony. This is the Checking best, right? Series.
0: He's the best. <laughs> He's totally fantastic. And we talked about him I'm on so the show I'm so glad before.
1: you know this old Tony. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. Uh, you I know, love that dude.
0: You know, I don't know when we talked about him, but it was pretty early on. Uh, he was my other thing one week. And I was like, these, these uh, videos are totally irrelevant to anything I care about. And they're still so much fun. I've sent them to my mom in the past, and I was like, "You're gonna love this." She's like, "Why are you sending me this?" But also not because we could also
2: either one of us very, very possibly be in the same position that you're in, Darren, and
0: a little bit on a whim start machining in our garage. You, you know, looking at it, looking at your history, though, I'm glad we went into podcasting.
1: Yeah, us too. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> this old Tony's fantastic. I
1: encourage it though. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are in phoenix you definitely got to come by it and operate the uh the mill and you guys can turn some dials on the Rose engine oh gosh so if you guys are in town.
2: i won't break anything though will i like it's it's harder to break than it is to not break
1: uh i, I can just invoice you guys for it okay it's yeah fun. no that's fine
0: fantastic we've got huge <laughs> bank accounts yeah. we talk we talk about this all the time oh, <laughs>
1: sweet.
0: Uh, so do you have a favorite this old tony video
1: Ooh, that's tough um i don't know if i could say i have a favorite
0: they're all
2: just that good, huh?
1: Yeah. You,
0: you, you know, I'll say I'll say mine. Uh, and I don't know if uh, it, it's a. I think it's actually two videos, but he does a CNC tutorial, but using a uh, um, an etch a sketch, uh, or, or vice oh, versa. Yeah. Uh, programming yeah, an etch a sketch. just so cool because he's doing essentially the same thing you are, but but upping the ante with CNC. Uh, and then programming it into an Etch-a-Sketch. Fantastic stuff.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good episode.
2: I have one last question. On your Instagram, mm-hmm. there is a uh, blown-up watch movement in the in the way of a tattoo. Is that on your arm?
1: That is on my arm. It's surrounded by other tattoos. It's a sleeve now. But uh, yeah, that's actually uh, exploded movement from that uh, movement-manufactured voucher. That's so, it's, so cool. Mike Rotor movement yeah it was pretty cool because i got it done and i I tagged them on it and then they reposted it and they reached out to me uh and kind of shared the story like you know reassuring myself that this is what i'm really passionate about this is where the direction i want my life to go and kind of just setting it in stone you know
2: that's too cool man I, i i love that when i was scrolling through the the first time when ev sent me your your instagram account i was like that man has a watch movement tattooed on his arm that's like this guy's <laughs> legit. You you don't do that <laughs> half-assed. Like that's that's as real as it gets. Yeah, you get real street cred for that. You got
1: to cheat on a test or something. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, that'd be perfect. I mean, that and that also you know lends itself to you can start making movements and you can just reference your arm for
0: um, <laughs> exactly. for, for measurements. Yeah. <laughs> but but if you're gonna go to watchmaking school, they'd probably make you wear long sleeve shirts <laughs> so you don't cheat. Yeah. I, I maybe not. I don't know how that works. Watchmaking school, so maybe not. I don't. I don't think like, I'm smart enough for that. Maybe that's allowed. Maybe I mean (laughs) I don't know why it wouldn't be. All right, so that
2: level of commitment. Exactly, that's how you get in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So other stuff we like, Andrew. What do you got? I've got something that's not television. It's not television,
2: nor is it a movie. I don't. This is
0: gonna be. This is gonna be awkward.
2: So for those of you who. Are a little bit heartburny. I'm heartburny right now. Unrelated, I'm, but I'm
0: kind of heartburny too. <laughs> it's the
2: whiskey. Uh, we've been a little bit heartburny about our lack of everyday carry material recently. I've had occasion this last uh, week and a half to use a flashlight a lot, and I have a, an enormous like what. if Are I, you peeping? Are you peeping, Tom? You don't you use flashlights can? for that. You use night vision for that. And oh. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> so it's not that. No, no, no. I right. I wouldn't okay. use a flashlight for that. Uh, for those of you who, who, if you imagine a mag light, I have one of those, like the old D-Cell mag lights. I have one of those, but it's not a D-Cell and it's a whole lot brighter, but it's heavy. It, it like It's carrying around a, a, a metal pipe with a battery in it that, it that puts out a bunch of light. But I've had occasion to use a handheld light quite a bit, and I've used a lot of handheld flashlights in my life as a result of my jobs. Um, but I've started using a light that I've had for a while and I haven't had a real opportunity to, to put it through the the paces, if you will. And for the last week and a half, I've been using my Surefire 6PX Tactical a lot, like th- probably 30 hours mm-hmm. of runtime. And it is maybe, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying this, it's the last flashlight.
0: The last flashlight you'll ever own.
2: I will continue to buy this flashlight. I may transition to the Pro but the, the the 6px tactical may be my last flashlight It's 85 bucks on the Amazon uh, it puts out 600 lumens right right out of your hand and it's a, it's it's handheld like 10 inches I think the, the dimensions on the Amazon are 4 by two by 10 so com- what, how does that compare to like a car headlight? <clears throat> I mean a car headlight's attached to my car it's the size of a, <laughs> <it's> a thimble. <laughs> all right Perfect. keep going <laughs> what, are you, what a dumbass question is that uh, the the only complaint i have and it's corrected from the tactical version to the pro version is the only uh permanent on the only on is a twist cap so the 6px tactical handheld light momentary on with the push press of the of the tail cap or twist on for for hold on the pro version has a momentary on with a half click, full on click to turn it on, or a tail cap twist. This light is so money. It it is the sun. I mean, 600 lumens was a little bit less than I thought that I needed. It, it holds up. Aluminum body because uh, the you had that uh, that streamlight, uh, poly- poly- the poly- streamlight polytech polytech yeah, and I wasn't a huge fan of the of the resin case. Uh, I dig the aluminum case. It's got a little bit of a of a bell on the end for its for its light end. So it's easy to manipulate in your hand in the dark. Because obviously, if you're using a flashlight in the daytime, there's something wrong. Uh, great grooves for your fingers <laughs> hold. You get a great purchase on it. The size is perfect. You hold you grasp it in your hand every time you get a good purchase on it. It goes right where it needs to. Press the tail cap. That bitch is on. I love this flashlight. And for $85 bucks for yeah. a surefire, come on. Yeah. It could be my last
0: light. You know, the reason I use the Polytech is because I run with it. And so I drop it all the time. So if it's an aluminum case, it's going to get bungled. But
2: the Polytech does also have a clip. There is no clip on the 6PX.
0: Oh, so you have to have like a holster.
2: Uh, I, I don't have a Kydex for it. I have some slots, like Molly slots for Fine. it to go or my pockets. Or it's It's not that great in the way of an EDC for normal clothing
0: individuals. I don't wear normal clothes to work. I don't need a flashlight when I'm not at work. It works for me. You're I, in one of like three professions in the world where you can wear a belt uh, uh, a, bat a belt a, a bat belt <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> I refer to, belt. It, refer to it as my bat belt <laughs>
2: it has so much shit on it <laughs> so much So that is my other thing check out this light if you if if you have any reservations about it, you can reach out to us. I will sell it probably harder than any surefire representative. I love this light and I use this light and I will continue to use this light.
0: very cool very the, cool.
2: The Polytax pretty dope too. Yeah, you know, I, I might that. buy one and do side by side with it.
0: And the Polytax made by Streamlight, and I I think I actually have an older iteration. I think they've updated it, but yeah, fantastic light too. So they make some good lights. That's it's, what I have on my gun. I have a, the TLR. Was that a complete thought?
2: Yeah, I have that's what I have the TLR. <laughs> I have a Streamlight TLR on my gun.
0: Oh, okay. I like that light too. But I don't, oh, don't want to talk about guns here. I don't know. Maybe I should. I don't know i just made it weird what you got i know you made it weird man i'm sorry we're gonna have to stop here so uh my other stuff is is also not a television show or a podcast or a youtube channel it's nothing that you can consume sitting on your butt not even a donut not even a donut so uh i did a relay race this last weekend and uh the race that i did is hood to coast and this is the you know i think we mentioned it last week but this is kind of the granddaddy of the big relay race it's a 12 man relay race that starts at timberline on on mount hood and finishes at seaside oregon so it's a 199 mile relay race you have 12 man teams everybody does three legs so 36 legs and they vary in distance from about four miles to about eight miles is the longest um and Golly, I've done this, I think, nine times, and it's so much stinking fun. Uh, And, and, you know, I think that there are many of these across the country. Now, it used to be that it was like Hood to Coast and maybe one or two other sort of wannabes. And now they have just tons of them that, you know, every state has a couple of similar type of deals. I strongly recommend if you're inclined to even just go out and do something that's kind of hard and have fun with your friends. It's such a fun experience. You get in a van, everybody's sweaty, you run and that's painful, and some people don't like that. But like me. Y- y- yeah, and you don't like it. I think you would love Hood to Coast though because it's so uh I'll drive the van. Y- well, okay. So maybe you could just drive the van. But you get this sort of uh, you know, shared misery kind of camaraderie Ugh. and you you're you're up all night and you're driving and it sounds miserable on paper, but then when you actually do it, it's this like really kind of, uh, you know, pseudo masochistic, but it's just a blast. You you show up at a van exchange and there's people, you know, a, a team of, of six dudes or 12 dudes, you know, all wearing matching red dresses and blaring, uh, you know, Rick Astley from a boombox. And, uh, you know, it's just fun and goofy. And, um, you, you know, at one point I had run my leg. It was like a, a kind of a five mile leg straight up a mountain. I'd run my leg. I'd gone back in the van, and it's just, just probably about a half hour before dawn. And I'd run my leg, got in the back of the van, and we drove to the next exchange. You know, you drop your runner off, you drive to the next exchange. I gotten in the van. And I have I had to take my shorts off right away because if I sit in the shorts I've just run in, I'll chafe, and then the you get rest, swamp ass, and it's a whole thing. It's yep. terrible. It's <laughs> terrible. So I so I take off my shorts. I'm sitting in the back of the van, and I you know pull on underwear. That's fine. We get to the next we get to the next exchange. Meanwhile, we haven't slept. It's four o'clock in the morning. Um, you, you know, the sun's just sort of coming up. So you can't really see anything yet. And we park, you know, probably about, a uh, you know, 500 meters from the actual exchange. And the guy who's going to run next gets out and he runs over there. And our guys coming soon i get out of the van and me and another guy start walking over to the exchange and i reach down to get um i reach down to get something out of my pocket i can't remember what because it doesn't matter and i realize i can't find my pocket because i'm just wearing underwear i'm just wearing underwear <laughs> and a t-shirt uh and and at this point we're probably about 200 meters away from the van and i, pocket. Come- <laughs> I had that moment where i freaked out you know it's like everybody's sort of Everybody's had that nightmare. Literally, every human has had that nightmare where you show up to school and you're just wearing underwear and everybody's laughing at you. Uh, that's that happened to me. You know, oddly, I haven't had that nightmare. Really, really. What? Uh, uh, what about you, Darren? You've had that nightmare?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it sounds like that's kind of like normal uh, Pacific Northwest activities. Yeah, just walking around in, around in your underwear.
2: Everywhere. There <laughs> was a naked bike ride in Eugene the other day. I was downtown. And I like literally got stopped by it <laughs> three times as I was yeah. trying to cross downtown. It's like a half a mile ride, and just the way they were blocking off roads, there's just naked people driving in front of me. I was like, "What? Why?
1: Why?" I mean, bl- can you okay. imagine the chafing on that one? Oh my That's gosh! I,
2: I I would rent a bike for that. I wouldn't want my bare
0: ass on a bike seat
1: on my <laughs> bike seat. <clears throat>
0: So, yeah, that, I mean, that happened. I actually did go back to the van and put on sweatpants. But uh, it no, I don't think anybody even noticed, right? Because it, was it was dark. It was dark. It was, it was light enough at that point that it's... <laughs> Everyone's focused. It hurts. Life hurts at that point. They're not noticing you and your undies. That's right. That's right. Uh, it, it, anyway, long story short, Hood to Coast, if you have the opportunity, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to come out to Oregon. Uh, you, We start on a Friday. You finish on a Saturday. You can spend the night in Seaside. Come out a week early and check out Portland or, or whatever you want to. But super fun, wonderful race. I totally recommend it. Darren, you're on the show. You're obligated to have another thing. Go.
1: Yeah. So uh, unlike you guys, I do have a cinematic masterpiece that I hope you guys have seen. Uh, Spaceballs.
2: Oh, my you gosh. Oh, boy. You are my hero.
1: Thank God. <laughs> so, so earlier this week, I made a joke or a reference to Spaceballs. Probably something about BARF. Uh, and my girlfriend looked at me and like, what the hell are you talking about? That makes no sense what you just said. What? And I was like, you have, have you not seen Spaceballs? We're done. She's like, no, I've never seen that. I've never seen that movie. I was like, oh my God, we're watching that movie tonight. And so we search on Apple TV and it's on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, you got Spaceballs. So I encourage everybody to watch Spaceballs on Hulu. Uh, I have really fond memories. I grew up watching uh, Mel Brooks movies and Monty Python, that kind of stuff. And I remember my parents having Spaceballs on Laserdisc whoa so any idea what LaserDisc is. Yeah. yeah
0: fantastic So
1: I'm not as old as laserdisc, but we had it on Laserdisc
2: your parents and had so, Laserdisc after Laserdisc fell out of popularity for the year and a half that yeah. it was in popularity
1: well, we we lived overseas so oh, we okay no that's fair yeah on, yeah we, yeah <laughs> and so uh yeah, it's just a, a great movie. I recommend watching, especially with uh, the parody aspect of it. I think it still rings true with the, the Disney bullshit that's going on with Star Wars today and merchandising and uh, the wise words of yogurt. So it's a great watch.
0: <laughs> they're, they're jamming the satellites. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the lone star. Fantastic. You know, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Uh, I, I don't think it's fair to call him an unsung hero, but probably not going to be... Uh, a name that everybody that listens uh, to the show knows of. If you don't, shame on you. I'm comfortable saying that. Y- you know, mm. m- my dad was a big uh, young Frankenstein fan growing up. So uh, w- w- uh, w- <laughs> we-, we watched that uh, movie, you know, probably a billion times. Um, and-, and And, you know, Blazing Saddles, just everything that guy made was totally fantastic.
2: I work with a lot of people Robin who K. are Benetide.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I Wonderful. work with
2: a lot of people who are not significantly younger than me, but are are there's in that difference between I mean I'm 30, but the difference between me at 30 and say like a 24 or 25 year old there's like a, a little bit of a miss there. Like things that you just weren't quite old enough to get and I made a Mel Brooks reference the other day and only like none of them got it. It it was They looked at me like I was the asshole. I was like, like, come on. you Really?
0: Like, no. (laughs) This is (laughs) unacceptable. We're doomed. You know, you start to... At some point, you just start to feel old, right? So, Andrew and I know each other from ROTC. And when when I was in ROTC, I was, what, seven years older than everybody else in the class?
2: I would say probably closer to 17. But that's that's whatever. Okay. Uh,
0: (laughs) And, you know, they, they call me Papa Ev because it just was so apparent because
2: we were 20
0: right <laughs> you know it's just i would make these like references and they'd be like oh papa ev reminiscing about the old times so uh well fantastic spaceballs, you, you did really well uh i i i i uh applaud your your addition to the other stuff for the episode thank you well done I guess with that we're gonna okay. we're gonna wrap it up uh Darren anything else you want to add at, at this point you know I, I know that these folks uh, again please check out at dm on instagram because uh, you're gonna see everything else w- where else can people find you were they gonna were they to want to check you out and what you're doing?
1: Uh, yeah, so right now I'm just on Instagram, uh, but I have purchased a couple domains. So I'll be building out a website, especially when I'm getting ready to launch this first production run over the next couple of months. And, and when can uh, folks but, expect
0: yeah, to? Me. Sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt you. When can folks uh, expect to start sort of see that stuff rolling out?
1: Uh, yeah, so I have a commitment made to myself of mid December. I'll have at least one ready to sell.
0: Wonderful. So December
1: fifteenth. Hold me. Hold me to that.
0: And do you have a uh, do you have a website that we can bookmark? I know this. There, you're saying you're just developing it, but where 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 are we going to be able to find you when that time comes?
1: Yeah, so I I bought the domain dm tiffany and dm tiffany
0: Fantastic.
1: So either one of those.
0: Wonderful. Anything yeah, so else you want to add? Then before we on, go.
1: Yeah, check me out on Instagram. Give me a follow. I'm almost to a thousand followers, which is a, a milestone for me, which is hundred humans and 900 Russian bots, but I'm uh,
0: still exciting for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's right where we're at. Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: <laughs> that's right. Uh, oh, oh, okay. So, uh, and I'm looking 984. You've gained a follower since we started. Ooh. They must be tapping I'm our close. phones. So I'm, I'm guessing that on Thursday when this comes out, you're going to be at a thousand, but if you're not, I'm hoping fingers crossed that we get you there. um, If you're you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not following Darren, please do so uh, because he's doing super cool stuff. And even if, you know, a a lot of you listening, $4,000 is going to be outside of what you can legitimately spend on a watch. Um, I I think that what he's got here is something more than just a watch. It's an opportunity to see a company grow and evolve. And um, the information there is just wonderful. The pictures are wonderful. The opportunity to see what's happening, how a watch comes from literally a fellow with a, a tabletop benchtop milling machine in his garage to uh, an actual company is there for you to experience firsthand. And I think you shouldn't pass that up. So, Andrew, you got anything else before we go? No. N- no. <laughs> I don't. I thought I might. And <laughs> I had to decide. I don't. Uh, uh, all right. Well, well, thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Please feel free to follow us on Instagram at 40and20. If you want to support the show, check us out at patreon.com slash 40and20. That's that's where we get the the majority of our support from you guys. We also do some other stuff, but really Patreon is where it's at. So check us out. You can read about us there. Um, And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.